With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation. Basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Welcome to the first March edition of the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. Whew, Aaron, lots to talk about today, lots of going mm-hmm. on in the Kentucky sports world. It's officially March, which, you know, I'll kick us off on the good and the bad. That's absolutely my good. It is officially March, regardless of the the terrible performance on Tuesday, which we'll discuss. I'm hyped that it's March, greatest month of the year for sure. First podcast of March, so really, really neat. I'm absolutely. excited. I'm trying to do some some bracket stuff maybe. So if you're listening, um, make sure you're following me in the Cats by 90 page because I'm excited about that. Maybe do some stuff for charity, get some pools going. So nothing wrong with March, Aaron. Nothing wrong with March. Just keep that damn coronavirus away so we can have fans and have a great experience. Like, please. <laughs> oh, sheesh. I haven't even entertained the idea of it disrupting the NCAA tournament. I can't fathom that right now. because SEC tournament, either. too, next weekend. That's totally right. In Nashville, uh, just got a hell of a lot more interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and then my bad this week. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna keep them all sports related because, like I said, it is my favorite month, best sports month of the year. That but is. Tuesday sucked. I was disappointed first of all because I missed it. You know, I was just man, I just couldn't swing the 9 p.m. Tuesday. I, I bailed out. So sad that I missed the first game at, or the last game at Rupp, and then obviously just the complete meltdown. You know, just ugh, unbelievable, which we'll get into. So that sucked, but I still feel pretty optimistic, which. I'll give my reasons why, but what's going on with you? Yeah, man, uh, pretty much same old, same old. I'd say on a good note, uh, eh, almost everything's good. Uh, trying to think of one thing that stood out, but I'd just say it's been a good week as a whole, other than the Tennessee game, obviously. It was pretty rewarding to finish kind of my full first year covering uh, UK basketball. I mean, last year obviously did the tournament and a lot, but this year just being at every – home game except for the few I was battling an illness for and having the all you know the all access pass and all that uh it was a good feeling to get that done that'd be my good uh on a bad note uh I'd say I'm gonna stick with the coronavirus thing not to scare people but Westchester County which is uh basically where I live I'm literally on the border my house is a couple houses into Connecticut uh is being slammed by coronavirus and I'm a little scared to go home next week but at the same time trying to be calm and just you know, wash hands and everything. I'm not going to buy masks or anything crazy, but a little nerve wracking. Yeah. Whew, you went there. Yeah, it's definitely, I haven't, I haven't had too much time to think about it. I feel like there's so many people hyping it up to be the, you know, yeah. downfall of the earth. And then other and people not are that. saying it, it's you know, not that. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm out kind of naturally, uh, 
a Lysol hand sanitizer all day because I like, you know, see people at work shake their hands and stuff. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be at least statements and stuff issued as we travel around for the Absolutely. SEC tournament NCAA. But I can't imagine or I don't know, think of anything off the top of my head. Oh, well, I did see, man, did you see? And I thought it was like parody and, and still can't believe it's true. But <laughs> where the A-10 did announce that at the end of the game, instead of the teams slapping high fives, they're going to do forearm bumps. <laughs> I did not see that. Look, I'm, oh I looked it. I tried to look it up multiple times. Like, is this real? Is this real? I mean, th- like they bump the whole game in the basketball game. So I was just like, oh my gosh. So oh, it will I be interesting. At that point, it, oh my god, that's that's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, interesting. All right, well, Got to jump into it. So I'm going to, I thought normally Aaron too, when we do a podcast, I try, you know, sometime throughout the day just to make a couple little bullet points, write a few stats down, keep us on track, you know, make sure we have enough to fill time, et cetera. But man, no need to do that this week. Um, just what a, just up and down feeling over, you know, coming off Saturday, everyone's touting a two seed, potentially even a one seed to just now everyone thinks Kentucky's a, a first weekend out. So anyway, I thought it'd be best to start kind of backwards and work our way forwards maybe. So I didn't let you tell me before we recorded because I haven't talked to you all week, but what is your take on the Ashton Hagen situation in general? Yeah, it's pretty obvious. It's not good. Uh, I didn't have, I'll say I did not have an issue with him and Nick Richards going at it. I feel like that's heat of the battle teammate stuff that happens all the time so i think we could put that to bed as whatever the problem is his body language and his antics with cal now the body language i noticed before i even knew there was a fight with cal perry because when uk was up 17 uh going on their run early in the second half uh higgins had already gotten pulled because on the very first uh possession of the of the half he gets called for a charge and I understand fans might not be uh, in love with charges, but if we're going by the rules, that was the right call. So he gets pulled after three dumb fouls. He's already not playing great. And I guess he didn't like that. But the big problem I saw was, uh, you know, UK is playing really well. Everyone's on the bench, you know, up, cheering on their teammates. Ashton is sitting down with a hoodie up. No mm. clapping, nothing. And that's when I was like, okay, something's up here. And I didn't know the extent of it, like I said, until after the game and really the next day with a bunch of stuff coming out. So not good. Just not good. So as I mentioned before, I was not at Rupp Arena Tuesday and I was kind of getting bits and pieces from different media members and haven't had a chance to really follow up. So then I also heard that there was an altercation with Coach Rob to the strength coach. I didn't know that. That's not yeah, good. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think um, a few people were reporting that. So that was kind of a visible thing on the bench. But you know what I have told a few people this week, though, Aaron, and I feel like it's very true, is that with that situation, with his attitude and mental state at wherever it's at, Emmanuel Quickly and Tyrese Maxey are, like, unbreakable spirit-wise. Like, those two kids yeah. are always even-keeled and, you know, definitely trend more to the happy-go-lucky, I'm going to do what, you know, needs to be done. What about, do you think there's any like legitimacy in the fact that maybe he's jealous, you know, there's like jealousy playing a part. I mean, you have to assume that, you know, he thought he was still going to be the guy this year. And now Emmanuel quickly's emergence and his poor play. It's got to be, I guess, difficult to finish a season like that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's probably a lot going through his head and 
you know, Dick Dick made the point, Dick Gabriel, uh, on the Big Blue Insider tonight, which I think was a really good one, is maybe he's just it's eating him a little bit in a selfish way that he's seeing Emmanuel who, you know, I wouldn't say anyone really thought he was going to be anything near what he was going to be. I mean, I don't think anyone thought him as a bad player. He's a former McDonald's All-American, but I don't think anyone was projecting him to be, you know, first-team SEC, probably SEC Player of the Year. But people were saying that for Ashton. And, you know, they were like, oh, year two, point guard at Kentucky. You know, that's a slam dunk to do some really good things. And at this point, I don't know if he's getting any awards or if he deserves any. So um, it's got to just – that might hurt him a little bit, and that could be – you know, messing with his mentals a little bit, but who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, this is, I don't, <laughs> Cal doesn't let us forget they're not machines or robots, right? So they're human beings. This is a 20 year old kid. Who knows? Is all the pressure in his, in the world in his hands. I'm not making excuses for him, but at the same time, uh, it's, it can't be easy what he's going through right now. And, but he can't let that turn into a locker room issue, which it easily could, if you have people picking sides between their coach and one of their teammates, and that's when it could get disastrous, especially because now with that Tennessee loss being against a not very good Tennessee game team, the style was, and at home, you're probably looking at a three, uh, all the projections today, a four seed. And that means you're going to play a pretty good team in the first weekend. Whether I mean, assuming you get by the 13 seed, because you're going to probably play a five who's pretty much ranked the same as you are. Lots of impact each way, but as far as Hagen's goes, still, it's just difficult, man. What do you do now? Do you? I think you're going to see a lot more of yeah. Maxi kind of primary I, ball handling and running the offense. Mm-hmm. And I think he's playing but, better. Oh, absolutely. And, and one thing that, I, and I know this is going to sound dumb, and I was kind of thinking of how to frame this up, but it's so true. And every player is remembered by what they do in March for sure. But man, Ashton Hagen's. I mean, because if he goes out and even plays like. He doesn't have to play lights out, like flirting with a triple-double like he was, you know, when he was playing his best this season. But if he can just be adequate and, most importantly, Kentucky just advance, advance, advance and have an opportunity to go to a Final Four or whatever, it'll do a lot to kind of change his legacy here at Kentucky because, shit, man, I've never remembered someone in, like, just three weeks going from – I mean, everyone loved Ashton Hagens like, three weeks ago, and now he is – it feels like he's just, like, BBN enemy number one right now is a villain right now, which is hard. You know, he's, I've never had a mad um, exchange with him media-wise, and I've never seen any other media members have any. I've only seen good in him. So, like like I said earlier, you don't really know what he's going through uh, with the expectations so high and his, you know, the results being pretty minimal right now. But it's, it's just not <laughs> – you really having this issue this close to the postseason is really problematic. And Kentucky was – I mean, yeah, Joe Lenardi, if I'm not mistaken, go on the broadcast and pretty put, pretty much put them on the two line after Maryland lost to Rutgers. And now you're talking, I mean, a four seed. And again, go back to Evansville, 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 that'll hurt. And I've always said, you know, I understand that guys were hurt, people were sick, you can't lose that game, and it's going to kill you. So don't be the fan who says that because then you have to take away, don't be the fan that says it was November 12th because then take away the nice Michigan State loss. That's pretty much what you're doing. Or if you want to get rid of the Utah loss, okay, get rid of that nice Louisville get lost the game after. So it, it, it's or Louisville win that is. So it's kind of just it, this whole Ashton thing is kind of bringing out a, a, an ugly head of a lot of problems surrounding this team right now. And 
I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm in panic mode because I don't think that's fair either, but there's a lot of questions, marks, and uncertainty. Yeah, I don't ever remember a time when just, I mean, like 48 hours ago, everyone was touting Kentucky as, you know, like top three to win the national championship and just definitely were a two seed. And it didn't surprise me, Aaron, that they split. They were potentially, I guess, split. They could lose the Florida Saturday. But if they split those last two games, that that wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, I thought it would probably be down at Florida. But it was just the way it happened, obviously. I mean, 17-point lead and just – there's one thing we've always seen from this team this year is the fight. Every single game, even when they – you know, Evansville was ugly. But every other game, I mean, they at least – they clawed back in a lot of them and gave it their best shot. But – Pretty much just gave up. It felt like on Tuesday. So, yeah, they kind of has always went yeah. as Higgins went too. So, you know, you know when he plays well, that's the best version. That thing it, it changed in such a blink of an eye. I actually went down because a friend of mine, who I hadn't seen in a while, she wanted to wish me a happy birthday and hang out with me for a little bit. So, I took about ten minutes to talk to her, uh, in just um, in the concourse. And when I went down, the UK was up seventeen. So that's why I did it because I already wrote half my story and everything. And then I get back in my media seat, and it's a two-point game, and all hell is broken loose. So what a disaster it was. But all UK could do now is, I think, at, I was saying before, I didn't think this Florida game would be important. I don't know if they necessarily have to win this game, but they at least need to play a really good game. They need to show that there are no issues between Higgins, Cal, and anybody else. They need to just come together as a team and play their ass off. And if, they, if that results in a two-point loss to a tough Florida team in Gainesville, fine. But at least go out there and put a strong foot and uh, bring it, bring your best game and see what happens. But I definitely am more intrigued for this Florida game and the SEC tournament than I was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, same. And the SEC tournament is going to be a blast. I keep saying that even the bottom yeah. tier teams have like the star power. So I'm pumped for well, that. I'm excited to get yeah. to Nashville. That's the story of it. I think. I, I mean, I wasn't. I for me after what happened last year. <laughs> It was keep everyone in bubble wrap type of thing because at the end of the day, unless you're a fringe team like a lot of the SEC is, uh, this tournament doesn't really matter much. Your seed's kind of set up, and you know if you win it, great. If not, all right, March is what really matters. But we saw like with Auburn last year, it could carry momentum in a big way. Auburn was a little more than a bubble team, but they weren't like Kentucky where they were an absolute lock going into that tournament. But it, it's really... um it's going to be a fascinating tournament. Like you said, there are a lot of pretty average teams, but also some talent on those rosters like Georgia and Anthony Edwards. And if one of those teams makes a run and wins the thing or goes deep, they can find themselves in the real tournament. Nothing has still bothered me. You're absolutely right. I mean, they choked a two seed out. It's looking like a four seed. Who knows, depending on who wins and who loses over the next week or so. But if, um, you know, if Kentucky <clears> – <throat> wins uh at florida and then their first two games in the sec tournament i guess a, a three still in the realm of possibility but probably comes down to geography i guess now for your well, hopes and wishes but yeah right well i'll tell you this um the geography aspect of it that's interesting is now uh, now you're probably not going to be out west now with the west people have you know said oh that's the easiest bracket every year uh, you want to be in the West, but with all the, and I think this year it's kind of important that you stay close to home just with all the uncertainty of this illness. And I'm not trying to make it a big deal, but at the same time, there's going to be issues with travel. Uh, flights are being canceled and stuff like that. So staying home close to home 
is not only good for fans who want to go, it's just, it's good for fans who want to go. It's good for everybody if they're close to home. And if they're a high four, maybe a higher three, I, I don't think it'll really, it'll probably mean they'll still be in a pretty good bracket situation regardless. Um, though I'll tell you this, the bracket Jerry Palm just put out is not fun for UK. <laughs> Let me ask you this, though, Aaron. So do you feel, are you one of the people that feel vastly different after watching the second half at Tennessee than you felt before, like just total outlook change? Or are you just, you know, shitty performance, sweep it under the rug? Because it seems to be a huge divide with everyone. That's a good question. I think if if the shit with Ashton didn't happen, I would not have uh, really worried. I'd say, wow, that's just a terrible loss you know, hurt their seed one or two, fine, you know, move on, go play Florida and try to finish strong. But the fact that now you have a potential locker room issue and you have your point guard, who's supposed to be your captain and leader, uh, being kind of the perpetrator of it and going against your head coach, uh, that's a major problem and definitely a story to watch. So that's why I, it definitely does change my perception of this team and where they're at. Um, it, like I said, I don't think it would if they had just, you know, had a bad second half and lost the game. I think I'd still worry that there's issues that could hurt them in March, but it wouldn't be something where now I'm thinking if they get the wrong matchup in the first weekend, they might lose. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with any of your points. They all make sense, but I've just been for weeks now, I'm in the same boat that Kentucky's going to play to their best in the first weekend or they're not. Same with yeah. the second weekend. And they've proven that over and over. They're like, when they have the pieces, they can put it all together. And it's just a matter of, are they going to do it? I'm not as worried as, as much about matchups. I think there are, you know, some that could definitely play detrimental, especially with, with dropping to the four seed. But, you know, if Nick plays the way that he was playing in the middle of the season, because it's going to be so much different, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, it's not going to be SEC rumble tumble basketball. So those matchups could be weird, and you know Nick could stay out of foul trouble, dominate. So I'm I'm definitely not like overall as much down on this team, I guess, as a lot of people are. I still yeah. think that I'd have them go as far in the tournament as I would beforehand, but still, you know, they're probably going to play at least at least two more times, probably three or four. So it'll be could be singing a totally different tune here in about ten yeah. days when. <clears throat> You know, based off that. Well, you want to hear this bracket real quick? It's not easy <laughs> for Jerry. Yeah, let me um, hear it. So you got you were in the Midwest, so what would be nice is second weekend would be an in Indy, which is a drive. But the bad news is Kansas is the one seed, and I think they're probably the best team in the country right now. They're playing really good ball. The two is a really good Villanova team. The three, Michigan State, who's really playing good ball right now. Obviously, UK, the four in St. Louis, playing Yale is the 13. BYU is your five, and West Virginia the six, Houston the seven. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then St. Ma- and St. Mary's and Providence also in that region. And UCLA, who's leading the Pac-12 out of nowhere. It's a good bracket. Not easy. Whereas if, How do you think it's going to go in? Go ahead. Yeah, we're the West. It's Gonzaga still the one, Maryland the two, Duke the three. Uh, that looks a lot nicer, especially the way Duke's playing right now. It'll be interesting to see what do you think is going to happen down in Gainesville this week? Because again, the Florida's turning on. I mean, they're, they're the two seed in the SEC. They're finally kind of putting things together. They obviously have a good big man. Um, a couple of good big men, but specifically Kerry Blackshear. So 
What do you think, man? Do you think no. they're going to look look better or are they going to continue to trend downward? You know, Florida's a weird team, though. I mean, they did they are the number 2 in the conference for now, I believe, um over LSU and Auburn, but you know, yeah. they beat Georgia. They beat Georgia by 14 uh yesterday, but the game before that, they lost to Tennessee. Obviously, we saw Tennessee is playing much better right now. But still, you lose that game right after you have a nice win over a blowout win over LSU. You played Kentucky really tough and had won a bunch of games before that. So every time I keep saying Florida's back, they're not. But at the same time, right now with the Kentucky, I think it's really going to come down to where this locker room is after all that happened. And it's really hard to predict because we haven't seen them yet. Maybe tomorrow there will be a media opportunity. Uh, players don't know who it'll be, but Cal is scheduled to speak uh, at 11 tomorrow. So we might be able to get some information there and kind of get a vibe. Um, but as of now, I'm, I'm concerned that this game is not going to go well just because the last time I saw Kentucky on the court, there were locker room issues. And I've just seen just being a sports fan and getting involved in sports now work-wise, it, locker room issues are a real, real problem. There are only there are only a couple of cases where teams have had it and went on to do big things. And again, I'm not trying to sound the alarms because I just don't really know what the issues are. But right now it looks bad. And until I see otherwise, which I think is a very big possibility we see on Saturday, I, I can't say I'm 100 percent confident. Sorry, sorry, I was looking at something. Yeah, I don't know. It it it's gonna be tough. Another road environment too. That's not gonna be great yeah. to go down and try to fix this stuff. Especially, I think that's one of the toughest places to play. I've been to the Odom many times, so that that's gonna be definitely something to keep your on. And I meant to ask you, who did they send out? I didn't see much. It was so late on Tuesday. Who did they send yeah, out to talk late. to you guys after the game on Tuesday? It was Tyrese, uh, who was just as upbeat and. Smiley as normal, <laughs> but then it was Emmanuel who was not happy at all. You could tell it was really bothering him that game. And then Johnny Juzang, who had a couple shots, um, was also out there. But and then Cal was really no, they don't Johnny was, out too much. Yeah, they don't. Well, he I think they didn't really have a third guy who really showed out. Um, I think he. I actually think if we're gonna have one positive from that game, I think Dion played a really really good game. He made some physical plays, and I think. Um, I think he's deserving of more playing time. I really do. And I think next year, uh, I think it's pretty much a lock. He comes back next year. And I really think he puts, maybe he bulks up a little bit more. That guy could be a kind of have an Emmanuel like year, maybe not from the shooting perspective, but where he could put himself in award conversations. I'm surprised that they didn't send Nate Sestina out with senior night. And he's so well-spoken that I feel like it would, you know, been a good person to send out for a tough media session. So that surprises me, actually. They sent out Johnny Juzang. Yeah. Interesting. I think it was more, uh, well, he did a couple of good things, and we don't really have anyone else. So they weren't going to send Ashton out there. <laughs> I always want to get update, too. You know, we've been covering this for the last few weeks with the SEC Player of the Year. Still think Emmanuel Quickly is in the oh, driver's no seat for that. No Do you know, when is that announced? Uh, that's a good question. I can get on that. I did see... Uh, the award that came out today was community service, uh, all mm-hmm. SEC, and that every player gets a representative, which I didn't know was always the case, but it is this year at least, and that belongs to Nate Sestina. No surprise there. And, you know, that's such a great kid. I know he hasn't been exactly what UK fans hoped he'd be on the court, uh, but he has been exactly and more what they've needed 
and a leader and just as a vocal guy. And he's so much fun to talk to as a media member. Um, he's just, it's kind of refreshing that he's, you know, he's a little older. These kids are either shy or young and, you know, just having a real conversation with him. Uh, he's been a lot of fun to cover and it was a really, really cool senior day ceremony, even though, uh, just having one guy out there is still a really great ceremony and the emotion on his face and all that. So give him quick love there. But he had a nice dunk too, man. That dunk yeah, was sick in the half. That was, that was probably his best like athletic play of his time at Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. He had a couple of good shooting games, but that, I think if we're talking about a player of the year for Nate Sestina, that's gotta be it. Even with the result that, uh, the team had. I saw SEC bracket today. Looks like if um, everything held the way it is now, Kentucky obviously, no matter what's going to play on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and they were going to get the winner of Alabama and Tennessee. And everybody I've heard, you know, seen on, on Twitter and stuff, wants that rematch with Tennessee on Friday because I do think in front of that SEC crowd they would they would show up. And th- that's one thing too. Just going back to like all the drama and stuff, and I know that sounds dumb to like try to spin it this way. But seriously, though, like, it's a wake-up call big time. And big they know time. they're going to have to come ready to play. And I always thought that they would in the NCAA tournament in postseason because they've, they've done such a, you know, have a, such a history of, of stepping up in those big games. But now I, I still feel the same way. I think that when the lights come on and they know that it's, you know, winter, a lot of their careers are done at Kentucky, that they'll be ready to play. And when they play with that effort, I just find it hard to believe they're going to lay an egg like they did Tuesday in Evansville, et cetera. Right. I, yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they'll lay an egg. I'm just, I'm just worried about this whole uh, court issue thing and seeing um, how it kind of comes about and if it's calmed down or not. We might even get a good, like I said, a good vibe check on that tomorrow with media and kind of, we've been able to kind of tell when Cal's been in moods lately. He was definitely in one last Friday for whatever reason. Uh, obviously the game was fine. So I wonder if something was already brewing, but, um, yeah, not good after the game Tuesday, he was definitely very upset. So, uh, I'll, uh the reason I say that, by the way, kind of being able to sense Cal's emotions is because he was super off and upset. You could tell something was bothering him during a, a Friday press conference. And then about five minutes later, we all get a notification on our phone that Whitney is transferring. So <laughs> you can kind of get a pretty good vibe check. So I'll definitely be able to kind of sense that Ooh. after tomorrow. Yeah, I was surprised too to see his tweet today where he like just piggybacked the rolling, you know, rock of the BBN that was talking about. He thought, he thought, you know, that was a final four team before the game started after that. Like, I don't know what I have or something. It's like, damn, I did not expect him to kind of come out and do that. So. It, that is a good point. I'll be anxious to see what his kind of tone is and stuff tomorrow and if he's out cracking jokes about it or, you know, begging the guys through the media to step up and seize the moment. So, whew, it's been a roller coaster. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. And I think the one thing that um, this game brought to light, if anything, just putting all the off-court issues aside or Hagen's issues and all that aside is this team has struggled to put away teams all year long. And if they're going to go deep in March, they have to put a team away. They can't have an eight-minute drought or, you know, have a 10-point lead turn into a four- to five-point lead. Like, they just got to put the foot on the gas. And this game proved that, you know, they're not always going to get away with it. And that was a question that was surfacing a lot, you know, in the post-game uh, interview sessions was, I mean, did you guys kind of need this loss? Not, not the stupid, oh, you have to lose before March. 
but the loss to say, okay, if we play like crap in the fourth in the se- fourth quarter, in the second half, um, should for, be quarter, yeah, should be right. But if we're, we're going to play like crap for eight minutes of the second half, when we have a fifteen point lead over Alabama, and then it turns into a two point lead, well, that ain't going to work against Michigan State or or West Virginia or Michigan or Michigan, whatever. It's just not going to work against a good team. So it's a, it was a wake up call, and we'll see how they respond starting on Friday. Be ugly too, man, because you know, I mean, that game is hella losable down in Gainesville well, this weekend. Yeah, and then Tennessee's already beat them, which could be their Friday opponent. So, Alabama's I mean, a good team. Alabama's a tough matchup for Kentucky because Alabama is, I think, they're the quickest team in the SEC. Just with their their, I mean, Kentucky should be. But they're not consistent with their pace. I think that would change if hey, if Maxi takes over the point. But Alabama is a really fast-paced team. They were playing really good ball until they lost to Vanderbilt on Tuesday, which I kind of think might have just been a fate thing after all that happened in Nashville. And not taking anything away from Vanderbilt's team win, but just given what happened in that city that day, it felt right for the Nashville team to get a win. But Alabama is a pretty good team. I mean, like you said in the beginning here, the SEC tournament. While the SEC is not Having it's in having a great year as a whole, uh, there are just many capable teams, and there's no one, as we learned in all of college basketball, that's safe this year. Dude, the SEC is just straight up drunk, man. Like they're, they're <laughs> Auburn lost again. How about that? Texas, Texas A and M goes in and beats them on at Auburn Senior Day for some significant guys. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's the SEC is just it's wild, man, and it's hard to tell. Is it is it really is it a lot better than we think? Is it a lot worse than we think? But I do think there's a lot of validity in the fact that the way those matchups go down, if Kentucky does get you know it's a mid major type opponent, a good good mid major, obviously it'll be. Um, I still like that better, even though you know they could scheme and potentially you know win the game. But I like that a lot better than just having to keep going against these. You know, the way that the SEC's called, all the fan, the foul disparity that everyone discusses. Yeah. But it's just a slugfest every time. And I think if you get Kentucky in a situation where they can really use their size and stuff, EJ Montgomery could be, you know, a lot more effective in an environment like that. Just a confidence builder. I think that that's, they just need a confidence builder. And right now, uh, this bracket has Yale as that first game. That might be a nice little game where they can just do things right. And, but, you know, they had a couple blowout wins at the beginning of the year, but if you remember, I know it was a while ago now, but, I mean, they lose the Evansville game, but that aside, I mean, Mount St. Mary's kept the game close. It was a six-point game at half. Um, i trying to think. There were a couple other. Utah Valley was a really close game. I think Utah Valley actually took the lead in the half, and Kentucky only won by single digits, and then pretty sure they had another single point, uh, single digits win uh, during the non-conference slate. So, they just haven't proved they can put anyone away. And I think what would be huge is if they can even maybe get luck. Like, I feel like the last couple of years, the SEC tournament first round, they've just blown through. Last year, Alabama, they blew through. They've blown through Georgia uh, once or twice. If they could just – I'm not saying they will because it's hard to predict that. But if they do end up facing a Tennessee or Alabama and they can just rip them apart, beat them by 15-plus, I think that would be humongous, even if – they go on and lose a close game in the semis or the final in the SEC tournament. That's what I'm, man. Nothing's going to kill my vibe for Nashville. They can lose Saturday, whatever. I'm pumped. I'm excited to get down there and cover some games. It sucks that, that you're going to miss it, but hopefully we will catch up that following yeah. weekend. 
I'll be Go ahead and kind of wrap this thing up. Try to keep it a little short. Busy week. But good talking to you, man. I get, man, damn, I won't see you f- uh, for a while then, I guess, depending on. I'm really hoping for the Friday, Sunday draw that'll be a little easier for me, I think. So, yeah. We will see, let's man. For, but you in let's hope for like week. St. Louis, Cleveland. Let's keep it there. Five hour drive. Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> yep. I think everybody, that's what we're crossing our fingers on. So, yeah. anyway, man, I'll stay in touch and uh, we'll talk uh, next week for sure. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at BigBlueDrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.